Toni Morrison says, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Welcome back to season two of Being Heard, Two Black Women, Coffee and Conversations. I'm your co-host Leah and with me is Dana, founder of Black Iowa News. You are listening with our new guest today, Teresa Silk of Stories to Tell My Daughter. Your process after you came up with uh, the dream that popped up, how did you go about deciding who should be a part of your experience? Who, how do you determine who should tell their story? This is a part that I um, did not say, um, that Stories to Tell My Daughter um, is, instead of an event, I, I consider it a storytelling experience. And the storytelling experience is uh, created to uplift and center the voices of Black women. So the whole event, the whole feel, the whole spirit energy behind it um, is to uplift the voices of Black women and to center the stories of Black women. Um, We also have in the past invited other women of color. We do not um, say that they can't join because we uh, actually, with our very first stories to tell my daughter, we, we had other women of color of, um, that were storytellers, but it is to center the voices of uh, Black women and to um, have Black women talk about the Black experience as it relates to their everyday lives. So, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, what you would call intersectionality that we end up talking about um, and we end up learning lessons through the stories and the wisdoms that they, that they, that they share. So lots of lived experience. And so your other part of the question was how, <laughs> how, how do I, how, how do we um, come up with, you know, kind of the list of storytellers or the lineup of storytellers? Um, it's a combination of things. It is a combination of, um, so I've been doing this for, this is year five. Um, so it has, it, it has gained kind of a, a following. And so I have people that if they see me out, uh, they'll let me know that their cousin, their mother, their neighbor, somebody from their church, somebody that they work with, you know what? She has an interesting story to tell, or she's an interesting person. You really should sit down and talk with her and hear what she has to say. Uh, people reach out. So it's a lot of it is people reach out to me. I don't always reach out to people. A lot of it is people will reach out to me. Now, in your case, I did reach out to you. I did reach out to you um, because I I was fascinated back that we have, uh, you know, you're a, a black female engineer in Iowa. And um, I was really curious as to what stories you might have to tell. And then you uh, shared the stories that I thought you might have to tell. <laughs> so, but I was really, I was really interested in, um, what is it like to be a black female engineer in Iowa? What is that like? Okay. Um, I was pleasantly surprised when you did reach out to me. And I, now that I know the answer, why you asked me, because I was like, well, what's this process? Because, you know, my brain typically analyzes and has a lot of questions, you know, hence why I became an engineer. And um, I just want to say I was happy. Like, I'm still glowing. And as you said, people come up to you and talk to you like I had folks still messaging me and commenting about 
how much they enjoyed the whole event itself. And of course, if they knew me hearing my story and not realizing some of the things that you go through. And I think that's very important. You know, as women, um, oftentimes we only talk to the people we're close to, you know, we sit around our kitchen table with our, our, you know, family members, the the women in our family, for me, you know, we, the kitchen table is just a spot to hang out at, right? Not often do you want to go up and know another woman's story and understand, well, you know, maybe why does it, does she move like she move, right? Um, Because between the three of us, we all got different stories as to how we think, how we help, how we ingest stuff. Like, um, I know this is about us focusing on stories to tell my daughter, but like with Dana, you know, how many people would know that Dana used to be at the Des Moines Register, right? Um, Before starting her own paper. I think those things are um, relative, especially when we're trying to bring up other young women behind us is the, the take I took. Um, I use my story to explain, like, sometimes, you know, we choose motherhood, we choose, you know, what we're a part of for versus, you know, what we were told coming up, you had this whole platform you had to go through. And now you get older in wisdom and you recognize it's a choice. Wouldn't you guys agree or disagree on that? For me, that experience was awesome. Um, I was a little scared. I was taken aback because I went for the first time to see it last year in support of some friends. And I thought to myself then, so be careful how you think your thoughts. I was like, it'd be nice if I get asked to be a storyteller. And so without a doubt, here comes Teresa sending me this message, right? And I'm like, now she didn't ask me. Now I got to figure out what am I going to talk about here, right? But I'm happy that it was about explaining something that you had already gone through and healed through. Because trying to, cause you, I couldn't imagine getting up there talking about, you know, what my birthing process was. Because maybe I'm not still over it. But um, having opportunities to have the sessions and go through it and being okay. Because mine had a little explicit language in it. And it's a Sunday. And I'm like, I can't be up using no profanity. But um, I was just amazed that as I got in the moment and having practiced it enough out loud, the audience is what helped me out the most. Like they were laughing at parts that I didn't even think I had made funny or was trying to make funny. But I was really, um, as people say, I was vibing off of that. Like I was getting this great momentum and feeling like, man, I'm not up here by myself, even though there's few women behind me but you know sitting in that dark auditorium and it's like all these eyes are on you and my lovely son was just waving at me and I was like just focus you know whatever you do just breathe so for me it was beautiful it felt like a um a healing process um I'm not one that likes to wear white however in my white dress that I chose to wear in spite of being told it was too sexy not from you guys but um, wearing that white dress, it just felt like I got a chance to finally release this anger because I had a lot of anger about walking away from my career as an engineer. I loved embracing being a mom, but I hated that I couldn't do both because I, you know, this would have been close to me retiring, right? And here I am getting disgusted. And there's parts of my story that I didn't share just because I don't want it to get taken out of context. But, you know, the lighthearted part was I quit. But, oh, my gosh, you know, I thought some things that could have landed me <laughs> not on the right side of the law. So um, I loved having that. I loved 
um, even the the camaraderie with the women, you know, um, there was three of us that came and practiced together. And I felt like, man, this is it. This is like a, a new little sisterhood. Cause you know, we the freshman year, you know, and then maybe next year when I go back, I'll get to hear the next set of women that's coming up. Um, it just, it just felt nice. We bonded in the room before we went on as well. We had photos. I'm looking forward to seeing how those turned out. Um, it I don't know. I, I, it was just a lot of emotions. I don't have one word to describe it other than it was just joyful. And it, it just, it really was the pick me up that I needed this season in my life. I am so, so, I am so happy to hear that. <laughs> Cause that's exactly the impact, um, that, that I want you to walk away with that. Those are exactly the things that, um, the experience is designed to do. So for you to hit up on all those things and to say that you felt all of those things, that's exactly it. Um, and in the process of doing all of that, um, and really what it comes down to is, is building it's building community and that we can all be in community around these stories. Um, but even bigger than that with, with building community is that we are, um, how do I put this? But I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know that we're teaching empathy, but we are allowing empathy to be the present thing. Like that is very present and very forward in storytelling. When you're doing narrative storytelling, anyway. Um, and I just think in the time um, that we are in right now, uh, our country, our many of our communities are very, very divisive in terms of political and in terms of racial barriers, all of that. Um, and one of the things that I think is, is uh, missing a lot from many of the conversations that happen is empathy. And one of the best ways to um, help facilitate that sense or that feeling of empathy is to engage in storytelling and allow people to hear from others and get to know someone else's story. And then that allows them to kind of show up in the story and find the element in that story that resonates with them. And each and every time that I've done this, and I've done this uh, five years, um, it never fails that people end up walking alongside the storyteller in the story. And when that happens, I always know that my job is done because my job is simply to show up, create the platform, I create the space, and then I get out of the way and the stories do their work. It's very beautiful. I mean, especially there are some people on there that I hadn't met. I think there was like two people I didn't know. <laughs> and it was interesting to hear like the start of their story, like in our community, just broaching different subjects. We we're talking mental health. We we're talking about death and family. Um, we we're talking about art. Um, one in particular, um, you know, talking about body positivity, you know, how they got their start. Um, and then just touching on colorism, um, which, you know, we talk about that a little bit here and there. Um, when we talk about health, uh, mental health in our black community, we don't do enough of it to emphasize how important that is in our lives. Um, the fact that like the friends that came to see me, they were like, we were all back there just crying. Like every story, story, like really like it just touched home in effect. And 
not to go against listeners if we decide to cut this off, but the fact that it's black women up there sharing their stories, but these, my friends, some of them are white. And the fact that the empathy, what you're saying, because at the, at the storyline of it, not making it about our race or our gender, it's the compassion and empathy that others have for you. I know it helps people to see you a little differently. I think for me personally, I come across like someone that's always joking around a lot and I'm smiling, but a lot of times people don't really know unless they know me what's really behind my smile. You know, um, I was always taught you be nice to people. You just never know what someone is going through and what's happening. I've learned over the years that if a woman, some in per se, and I've never met them and they're snippy, I've learned not to be so quick to be like, who are you talking to? And just say, you know what? Maybe she's having a bad day today. Maybe I should just say, hey, are you okay? You know, is there anything I can do to support or offer solutions? Because a lot of times I think trauma is so deep within us as black women that it's coming out as irritability, but a lot of times it's really depression. Sometimes it's just frustration and going through life. So for me, you know, I, I told uh, one of the ladies, I was like, please don't get up there and tell this story because she's going to have me mess up my makeup. And sure enough, she got up there and I'm like, I am not going to cry because I don't want these pictures. I don't know what people going to come at. But just it's just, Teresa, it's beautiful. I mean, I don't have um, the the biggest vocabulary right now for me in the moment. It was just that being present that I loved. Um, I love that it was an experience that um, people can't be on their phones. You know, how often do we ever sit down and detach? from an electronic and that was a moment to detach you can't get those moments as much anymore i feel so what's new um what's next for stories to tell my daughter um what is next for stories to tell my daughter um i well uh some of the storytellers who have done it in years past uh reached out to me actually while we were uh planning and promoting this past one um, and they want to do a reunion show. And some of these women are uh, living out of state now and they're, they're wanting to come back because they said, you know, I'm at a different point in my life and I want to talk about, you know, who I am now and what I learned. And I said, okay, so uh, we're doing a reunion show. I don't have the date for that. Uh, we've got to, you know, make sure we can get everybody here and um, and make sure it's a time where everybody can get here. But what's next is is uh, most definitely a reunion show. So that's that's what's next. That is beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that you've had such a connectivity. I know you had a um, different person speak last year's show and as well as this year, young lady um, did poetry. And I like that it's like a connectivity from each year and to now have a reunion show that's even a bigger like connectivity because you've been around since 2018 doing this experience and to still have it coming forth in 2023 um i know you didn't keep it just in des moines for a little bit you traveled around the state um um i'm excited to see what's going to come forth i know you have more coming out and i know you have to keep it to yourself but being a creative person, do you think it's easy to have that creativity here in um, Des Moines? Yeah, I think it's easy to um, have the creative uh, 
the creativity. It's easy to have creative ideas. Um, the um, kind of the twist comes in is the execution of the idea. So that's being able to get the support uh, that you need for your idea and the resources that you need for it. Um, and I'm not going to say that I haven't been able to do that. I was just really focused on um, one. I wanted to create something that I felt would be impactful and um, would be would have some resonance, would be long lasting. Um, and so I really focused more on that than I did even on uh, trying to make sure, I know, you know, some people have said, you know, you should have gotten grants and all this. Well, I didn't get any grants. Um, for all the five years that I've done this, I pretty much have self-funded uh, the, the, the experience myself. Um, this will, this, this probably going forward, I will, um, I'll seek outside assistance, and that is due to the um, advice of some some friends of mine <laughs> that uh, that that told me, you know what, really this is this is good enough that you really do need to seek outside uh, sponsorship. And so I'm going to do just that. I think it's it's good when people who see what you're doing um, find value in it and encourage you to make that value known to the larger community so that they can also support um, the dream and move the intent of the work forward. And, and to be clear, I do consider stories to tell my daughter. I, I consider that my work. Um, I don't know if it's my life's work, but it is, it's, it's really important to me and I do consider it my work. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that I do with that. I really don't know if I answered your question though. No. <laughs> it's okay. okay. I guess um I look at when I moved here being from the south um it's heavily predominantly black. And Des Moines has, you know, pockets, you know, we do exist out here, but the fact that there's such a small population, I was just curious like the lay of the land was it was easy to come up with the idea, yes, but the execution part was there challenges and stuff. Um, is, you know, you're definitely getting the support. I mean, you had a sold out show this time, correct? And um, having a sold out show, like, I felt like, man, ching, like, you know, check mark. that's letting you know that dreams do exist. I think as black people in general, I don't think we're taught to dream, you know, we're taught at an early age to get out here and get this career to make this money. Um, because you can't afford to have dreams. And for me, I'm learning that in this season of my life that you can dream and make those visualizations. Like just getting an engineering degree didn't mean my life stopped there. And once I became my mom, my life stopped there. No, I've had more avenues, but it became meeting more people and seeing what other people are into and how they've gotten into there. Like had I not met Dana I wouldn't have never had a taste of what it's like to have, you know, some media experience, a little bit of journalism. I don't claim to be one, but having that exposure to saying that, hey, what I put my mind to, I'm capable of doing um, and not getting stuck. Because had you not listened to your dream, Teresa, you know, what would have happened? Look at all the different things that didn't occur. Um <laughs> I think it is so, so, so important that we control the narrative. 
um, so many times other people control the narrative about the black community. Uh, people control the narrative about who black women are and what we can be. And it's just, it's, it's not, you don't have to accept that. So I think, um, I think actually all three of us are great examples of the fact that you can and absolutely should control your own narrative. And that's also uh, kind of the point of Stories to Tell My Daughter is that Black women tell their own stories the way that they want to tell them. And we create an environment, a safe space, a brave space um, that they speak the way that they want to speak. They speak in their own voices. You don't have to change the tone of your voice just so that um, everybody else, you know, so that other people aren't uncomfortable. Um, there are going to be moments um, and there have been, and there are usually, well, sometimes people get uncomfortable with the stories, uh, but that's okay because that's actually reflective of real life. So most definitely, um, I on purpose, no ain't is not a word, but I loved using ain't because there's just something about that vernacular, you know, Southerners, we fit to, you know, do stuff. Um, it just has a different drive and a different meaning. Um, when you come about it and not feeling like I got to censor myself. Um, not often am I in spaces that allow me to just be myself, but I have now decided I've earned my 47 years of, I can walk in spaces and be who I'm going to be. And either I'm not your cup of tea or I'm not, I'm not going to allow that to curb me and make me have to assimilate. Like I did too much of that. I felt when I was younger, trying to just get in those spaces because it's hard, you know, when you've grown up in a predominantly black community and then you get immersed into a more integrated workforce, it's very um, challenging. So want to say thank you, Teresa, for coming on to the show today and talking with us and just having a conversation. And, um, and again, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of Stories to Tell My Daughter and a big thank you for creating the vision to life. So we're going to wrap up. Um, you can listen to um, Being Heard today on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Take care.